Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you? Hi. Hello. 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 This is my first international Zoom call. Well, I'm very glad to have well, you. Well, welcome. <laughs> it's going to be lovely. I think I've got people from lots of different places. Where, where are you all from? I'm from, from Ontario, you. Canada. Ah, oh, it's my second home. I love Canada. Yeah. I'm from St. I'm Rachel from Adelaide. Hi, Rachel. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. And I'm Jean from San Francisco, California. Wow, Jean, how are you? <laughs> Locked in. Locked yeah. in for quite a while more too now. <laughs> and it's just, it's really rough. We've been thinking about you guys a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, hi, I'm Beck. I'm from Melbourne. Hey, Beck. How are you? Good. How are you? You're good. Oh, I'm getting all like filled up watching everyone pop in. This is lovely. Right. Hi. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you? Really well. Really well. All the better for being on here with all of these lovely faces. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> It's funny, it's only Thursday in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's one in the morning here. No, really? I'm going back to bed in a minute. <laughs> I'm amazed. <laughs> I thought I'd try the first one at least. Uh, <laughs> I feel very honored. <laughs> All right, still bringing people in. So I haven't actually done like a large scale group Zoom before, um, aside from my family, which is, um, so, you know, I think I already like it more because I can see everyone and I think we can actually chat and get to the root of some of the questions that people have asked. Um, but one of like, what I will say is the questions that, that you guys have sent through over the last few days have completely blown me away. Um, I've been, I feel really grateful um, that you're entrusting me with some of these really massive questions. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to sort of digging into what that looks like. And, um, you know, I've got to be honest, I actually have found myself really um, kind of revisiting my values as well as a result. So um, I just wanted to start before we kind of get figures started uh, by saying thank you for showing up the way you have. I know it's a really, it's a strange time um, to be exploring values as well, given, you know, the global situation um, and given that so many of us are either on lockdown or in isolation. Uh, yeah, but I also feel like at least um, for some of us, it's giving us an opportunity to go deep on some of those questions. So, mm -hmm. um, all right, just adding some more peeps in. I feel like I'm in the Brady Bunch introduction. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think what I might do. Um, 
is get started because typically what I've realized is that conversations around values are always the juiciest um, and we may be in for a really intense hour or possibly a little more. Um, so it, obviously as you need to go, please go, we're recording this um, and I'll have it up on the retreat website uh, as soon as I can. And for those of you who are up at 1am, um, feel, feel free to go to bed whenever, <laughs> whenever you want to. Um, okay, so <clears throat> as I said, um, this week has filled me with an enormous amount of gratitude um, for your openness and your um, willingness, I guess, to dig in. And I would like to be able to repay that by um, sort of answering all the questions that you sent through ahead of time and also to... Um, probably start by speaking to the most common themes that I've found in a lot of your questions, because as it turns out, many of us struggle with the same things. Um, I'm just going to mute everyone for a moment um, while I'm just to make sure the audio is clear. Um, sorry. Hopefully you guys can still hear me because I don't think I unmuted, I unmuted myself. So um, the most common theme that came through in everyone's questions that I've received uh, this, uh, this week is the idea of shoulds. And that is um, how can we discern the difference between our values, the things that we genuinely value and want in our lives and the things that we feel we should value and want in our lives. Um, and it's a huge question because essentially at the core of that question is learning to unpack um, who we are and why we are who we are and the stories that we've been told over the years of, of who we are and what we do and the stories that we tell ourselves. Um, so there's expectations from family and society in general and, uh, you know, media and all of these inputs into our lives often lead us to having this set of values um, that aren't necessarily our own. Um, and recognising that, particularly through the lens of trying to figure out your own values, is really challenging. So anyone who's found themselves in that situation this week please know that you're not alone. Um, I'd say at least 50% of the questions that I've had have dealt with that idea of should. Um, you know, I think that unpacking those stories of, of who we are is a lifetime's work. So the fact that you couldn't, you, you, you feel like you couldn't do it in a week is like, that's okay. Uh, you know, even for me, I've sort of been digging into my values over the years, probably directly for about five or six years and it's still a process of um removing those layers year after year of why i used to think that adventure was my core um, value and why i'm now finding myself actually uh, rethinking that you know I used, there was still some sort of status and ego attached to the idea of adventure being my core value um which i think i'm now learning to strip away and listen to that sort of deeper 
voice or that spark that I talk about a bit and we'll talk about a bit this week. Um, you know, I think the, the work that you're doing by even questioning that idea of shoulds is really important. Um, and it's uncomfortable, <laughs> but I, I've very rarely found that change in my life comes from anywhere other than discomfort. So it's okay if it's uncomfortable. Uncomfortable can mean growth. Um, it can mean change. And, uh, you know, at the moment, particularly, I think that we're in a position where we're questioning what we want the new normal to look like on the other side of lockdown and isolation. Um, and that presents us with an opportunity to really question those shoulds quite deeply. Um, often, not, definitely not always, but often from a place where so many of the shoulds of our lives have been removed, you know, the, the social obligations and that sort of thing. Um, one of the tools that I do find really helpful for me in unpacking this question of why am I, why do I feel driven to value this? Why do I feel like this should be one of my values is journaling. Uh, I don't, I don't prompt myself when I journal, I just free write. So um, much like Julia Cameron's, um, the artist's way free writing exercise. So she does morning pages and I often do three pages of longhand um, stream of consciousness uh, writing most mornings. And what I find over time is that that helps me to start unpicking that knot of why I'm doing what I'm doing or um, what's driving me to make the choices that I'm making. And that over time has probably been the most important tool that I use. So if you find yourself really questioning this idea of which of these values that I've highlighted this week are mine and which are things that I feel obligated to have, perhaps just start journaling on that question. And over time, I think we start to become attuned or more attuned to that voice um, that is uh, that that is really kind of prompting us to um, to to dig in to um, you know that that question and the juiciness of it. So um, Claire, one of our participants, actually, I'm not sure if Claire is on the call, but she sent through a, an email that I thought was a really powerful example of um, what it looks like to release ourselves from the tyranny of shoulds, I guess. Uh, and I wanted to share it with you. She's, she said that I could. Um, so Claire said, on my first pass through the deck of values cards, I had 36 that mattered to me in some degree. However, I quickly realized that some of those were only there for appearances sake. For example, achievement has always been a bit of a gold standard in my family. And it was the only thing I was really praised for as a child. However, I don't just care about external measures of success anymore. They never made me happy, so why keep pursuing them? Similarly, I eventually came to realize that just because something didn't make the cut as a core value, that doesn't mean that it won't matter at all. Family and friends obviously have a place in most lives, but they just aren't at the top of my list right now. This is a time for me to work on myself, and that's okay. So I ended up with six core values and a short supporting statement for each of them. And then she lists her values. And she finishes by saying that this list feels juicy and uplifting and I love it. And I loved the way she described it, juicy and uplifting. I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I'd love to live in that juicy and uplifting um, stage. <laughs> and I think the other takeaway that I wanted to offer you from that was her... Um, first of all, her ability to sort of recognise that her family upbringing 
really had her looking for a specific set of values that weren't actually necessarily aligned to who she is now. Um, and allowing herself to simply let them go. You know, what would happen if I just let them go? And the bravery involved in that is, is not to be underestimated. Um, but also something that is a very practical tool for people who might be still kind of struggling to um, identify the values specifically was this idea of the short supporting statement that she wrote at the end of them. So, for example, one of her values was in a piece and she went on to explain it and she said, maintaining a sense of personal tranquility, trust and acceptance. So that's the other thing, I guess, about the values that I feel some people have, um, have struggled with is taking a perceived notion of what the word means. Um, simplicity is an interesting one that I know a few people have struggled with. So they take the perceived notion of simplicity, uh, minimalism, um, you know, decluttering, that sort of thing. And they've applied that outward perception of the meaning of the word to, to their value. But what they're discovering is that actually that perception of simplicity is not in, in fitting with what they want, but the word simplicity means something else to them. And I think that's, um, that's probably a, a really important learning or takeaway um, on this question of shoulds. You know, it can, be a, um, it can be something that family or friends have sort of foisted upon you, but it can also just be the language. So um, I'll talk about it in a minute, but really redefining what a word means to you can also be really helpful. So if you find yourself drawn to a particular word, but not to the picture it creates, perhaps writing a, a short statement or summarizing what it means to you could, could help free things up as well. Um, so just a quick show of hands, I guess. Um, and I think you can actually just either literally raise your hand analog style or do a thumbs up. How many of you found yourself struggling with the question of shoulds this week? Yeah. Quite a lot, yes. <laughs> um, you, as you see, you're not alone. So I think um, a, a further exploration of why those, um, those shoulds are in place over the next weeks and months and possibly years is going to allow you the freedom to kind of explore the, the values that you're being drawn to at the moment. It's certainly, um, I wish I could make it a quick wish I could make it a quick process. I haven't yet found a way to do that. And that would be off brand anyway. Um, so the second theme, the second um, most common sort of question that came through was this question of, do I list things that I do and value now in this present moment? Or do I list things that I want to become? You know, so I guess, do we make a list of current values and current actions um, or do we make a list of aspirational values? And it's a really good question. And I feel like there's probably space for both in your list if that is a question you find yourself struggling with. My only concern, and I know I'm, it's my tendency to do this, is if I was to create a list of only aspirational values. So put your blue sky thinking hat on. What do I want my life to look like in five years? Who will I be? What will I value? What will I spend my time doing? Um, 
that can leave that can leave me feeling very less than in the moment. It can make me feel like I'm failing. It can make me feel like um, you know my my efforts are not good enough because I'm constantly casting my eyes five years ahead. Now, there's nothing wrong, of course, with having aspirations and goals and to include in your list of values those things that you deeply feel but are not right now making space for. That's okay. Um, but I think it, it, it's just I would caution you against making it purely an aspirational list. Um, of course, do whatever feels right to you right now and everyone's situation is different. Um, but I think that we, we need to meet ourselves where we are and that's sort of where we're going to be able to access those honest conversations with ourselves. Um, and I think by doing that, again, particularly at the moment, there might be values that you have nominated that you actually can't really spend a lot of time on or in given isolation or lockdown. It's perfectly fine and really helpful to say, for example, I've, <laughs> I value solitude um, but given that my family is locked down with me at the moment, I cannot actually access solitude right now. That's okay. You know, it's okay to um, say that I, I value this thing. I value creativity. I value nature. Um, but given the circumstances right now, it is not where my efforts are going. Perhaps my efforts are going towards beauty. Perhaps my efforts are going towards family right now. You know, I talk a lot if you've... Um, ever read uh, one of my books or listened to the podcast, I, I talk a lot about the idea of tilting, how we need to acknowledge that as human beings, our energy and our time is finite and we can only give energy and attention to a certain amount of things at, at, at any particular time. So at the moment, perhaps you find yourself tilting into one value while still valuing another. Um, that's also, that's perfectly okay. And it's, I mean, that's life, isn't it? Life is... Life is compromise um, and when you live with and bump up against other people and you love them and you want to spend time with them, you want them to be happy, sometimes that's giving, sometimes that's taking um, and I, I see values much the same. Um, so I guess to sum that, that kind of question up, No, I think I've summed it up. That's okay. I'm going to, uh, this is what I always do. You know, the first 20 minutes of a Zoom call is like spent answering the first question. Uh, so moving on <laughs> to another quite common theme that uh, you guys asked about was what happens when, when there are two words or two ideas or two themes that um, seem to, they both appeal to you, but perhaps they both appeal to you um, for slightly different reasons, but they overlap, you know. There's that question of um, the simplicity and um, inner peace, for example. That's one example that, that um, someone has offered to me. And I think in that case, rather than overthinking it, as I sort of said about the, the value of redefining what a word means to you, um, I think sometimes it's just as simple as, as focusing on the word that you get that sense of rightness for, you know, that, that, that spark or that pang of recognition. Um, that can be as much of a sign that you're on the right track as, as you need. Um, and then perhaps you could sort of use that as an umbrella term. I mean, I do that all the time. Um, when I, like nature can be lots of things, um, you know, it can be growth, it can be beauty, it can be adventure, it can be exploration. So like 
they're they're not disparate. Your your values are certainly not disparate. Um, they overlap and over time add up to a life. So, uh, you know, I think that I'm not one for the idea of balance, like work-life balance, for example, because that to me is like a siloed way of looking at at life and who you are. So, you know, work you and life you and every other kind of you. We're all just one. <laughs> we're just one being, and I think that values are. are are much the same in that capacity. Um, another question that came up a lot was, is it okay if I have more than three or six values? And the answer is, of course, you know, you, you need to, as I said, meet yourself where you are, do what feels right. Um, someone had eight specifically, and um, I think that, that that's fine because to me what, what the the what that question means is that you're thinking deeply on it and you're really open to um, feeling out all of the possibilities. Make space for them, you know, in your heart, in your head. Live with them for a week, for a month, for six months. And over time, what, or what I've discovered anyway, is that they start to either whittle themselves down or you start to recognise what of them are core values and what of them are sub-values or an idea that I'll talk about in a minute, what of them are values and what of them are tools? Um, because that's a distinction that, that we can learn to make over time as well. But if at this stage you find yourself um, just really questioning which ones can stay and which ones can go, you know, now perhaps is not the time to, to start casting them aside. Um, you know, you live with curiosity and a bit of playfulness as well with, with this question. Um, now, I've got a whole heap of pre-submitted questions, but I wanted to, while I've got you all here, I wanted to sort of open up and see if anyone has any questions that they'd like to ask live. So just give me like a show of your digital hand or your physical hand and I'll unmute you and we can, we can get chatting. Okay. Wow, there's heaps of us on the screen. Okay. Sorry, I did say hello, Maple. All right, I'm just unmuting you. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, I have a question. I'm wondering, I keep coming back to this since I did the assignment. Um, I have a value that I identified that I've always known I value, and I've, I've named it um, simple, lovely, unique moments. And I cannot get away from that, but I also like the, that title, but I also love the idea of a minimal name for it because I feel like it's easier to just recognize in your day. And I'm wondering if you have any feedback on that. If you, because I think that's an easy way for me to describe what I love about that value is simple, uh, lovely, unique moments. But I just, I also want to follow the assignment and create headings for these values. I, I value that in this assignment. So um, yeah, just if you have any feedback or if you think that that's uh, something that you've run into before, that you have a large, clump of words to describe a larger thing in your life i mean i like immediately i'm like simple lovely unique moments you could just have slum <laughs> and you could just think of like you know i actually find that little labels like that can can help um or perhaps you could find a like a visual you know if there is a an image that comes to mind or an image that really encapsulates that feeling you could have a um you could have a physical reminder of that somewhere uh you could have it 
I know a number of people have created an image or a quote as their um, phone screensaver or, you know, putting it on the, uh, on the fridge and looking at it every day as a reminder, a call to action to kind of um, make sure you create space for that, that, those simple, lovely, unique moments. Um, you know, I think that that's really, that's a really beautiful way of, of, um, of describing something that you value. And I, I mean, to me, that encapsulates gratitude and beauty and presence and mindfulness and noticing and all of these other really wonderful things. So I agree with you that probably having something um, to kind of tie it all together is really helpful. Um, are you a visual person or are you a words person? Yes, I am a visual person. And that's, I think, maybe where um, I was also getting hung up with this is that I and I appreciate what you just said, that it, it does encapsulate, encapsulate a lot of other words that I was working with. And I thought, oh, this is perfect, but it's just as many words as the words I was trying to eliminate. Um, yeah, and I think that that in itself is, um, you know, like the fact that you're really valuing um, the simplicity of it tells me that um, you're really on the right track, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I think, how do you feel about maybe creating or creating a, like a, a physical visual or even a, a mental visual that you can tap into every day? Yeah, that's perfect. I, um, I like, I actually was hoping to, or I was going to create visuals for each of my values. So I think that that would be perfect. And I'm happy I'm not breaking the rules. I'm a teacher. And so I don't like breaking the rules. <laughs> Definitely not breaking any rules. There's very few rules, I promise. Thank you. The rule is like, follow your, follow your heart. Um, is anyone else got a question that they would like to kind of dig into at the moment? All right, I'm just scrolling through everyone's lovely smiling faces. Um, okay, Dala, I thought you were saying yes, but I think you were just scratching your nose. <laughs> uh, Laura, hello. Um, I was... Hi, Laura here. Um, I was keen to know how many people struggled with the, um, the assignment and, and those who maybe found it quite easy and, and to get a feel for why maybe people did find it easier or not. Great question. I mean, I guess initially just like a show of hands for people who found the assignment um, challenging for any reason. Okay. All right, so like at a quick eyeball, maybe at least half of us, maybe a bit more than half. Okay. Um, what about you, Laura? Did you, have you found it difficult? Uh, uh, no, I, I didn't, although I did uh, think for a half a second, do I include some that I more aspire to and went, of course, because I want to improve. Um, uh, so I've done a bit of work on myself in the past. So I was, I found that one quite easy and, and, um, just a good reminder. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, I mean, is there anyone who has like a quick thought on like, obviously apart from the questions that you've already submitted and that we'll keep going through, um, that a reason that you think you found it challenging, uh, feel free to pop your hand up and I'll unmute you or put it in the, the chat box. Um, but if there was something, so Jean. Um, I, am I unmuted? I think so, no. Uh, 
when I was going through the list, there were a number of them that I, I liked the idea and I wanted it to be the idea. But then when I tried to like tap into what I intuitively felt about the word or the concept, then I realized that what I wanted to be was not what I was really resonating with. And so the, the, I kind of had an idea of what I would pick in the beginning, but then when I went through the whole exercise as you mapped it out, I ended up with a totally different set that I was very surprised by. And so it was hard to, to sort of put to one side the ones that I thought that I wanted to be, but that I realized didn't quite resonate. And I had a hard time kind of letting those go for the moment. Mm. And I figured like, okay, I guess it can evolve and it can change. It's not like set in stone forever. But it just, I can't really put any other description on it, except for it just felt uncomfortable, but it wasn't like a bad thing. It was more just like, oh, that wasn't what I was expecting. I was kind of hoping this would be my value, and it, and it turned out it wasn't. So that was the strange part to me in that exercise. Yeah, those stories that we tell ourselves um, about who we are, like they're powerful, you know, and when we're faced with an opportunity to question it, it, um, yeah, it can be very challenging. So well done on recognizing that um, and not sort of resisting it. I think a lot of the tension that I've faced over the years has been resisting it. Like, this is the person that I thought I wanted to be and now I'm over here and like I was, yeah, battling out in the middle. Um, is anyone, anyone on the call who, who found it maybe even easier than you expected? Angie and Cheryl, all right. Let me unmute you, Angie. Okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Morning, everybody. Um, I think one of the things that helped me focus in on a list was not actually coming it from the opposite side. So not so much wondering what it is um, I liked or I aspired to, but actually what my life would look like if I didn't have it. And that that actually really helped me um, focus in on the really important things. So what, what did it, so I did this process of, um, and, and I did what others, what Maple, what you were saying was that I kind of joined a few things together. So I would have, you know, loving relationships or grateful presence. So I'd kind of put them together, but to help me kind of really reflect on it and go, well, is it a really core value and what would my life look like? And more importantly, feel like, if that wasn't there and that um, that just helped me um, focus in on 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 shrinking my list because like lots of people my list was kind of long to start with so the grouping them really helped um, and and the, what would my life look like if they weren't there if I didn't have loving relationships would I live a you know a wholehearted life well probably not you know so that helped that helped me that's a really, uh, really awesome insight. Um, there was someone who wrote to me who asked about, I can't remember off the top of my head, um, who asked about a, uh, the difference between things that she's really good at and things that she values. And she, for example, um, I, I, I value creativity in that it is an intrinsic part of who I am. Um, does that mean it's a value or does that just mean it's a, a character trait? And I, my advice was going to be imagine your life without that. And I think you'll understand how much you do value or don't value that thing. And I think it's, 
a really a really powerful way of flipping it um, and visualizing a life without those things um, is really really helpful way of um, developing gratitude as well around that the clarity that we do have and allowing ourselves um, to have the the lack of clarity around the other things as well you know that I think that's similarly okay to not have all the answers but um, to realize that maybe we have more than we thought we have more of the answers than we thought yeah thank you Angie that's awesome um, so Katie has just popped in um, I found the question of whether the value was a means to an end or the actual end very good for narrowing um, down the list as well. Yeah, and that brings me to, um, I guess, an, another theme that <clears throat> really came up a lot in the answers that I was preparing for, for people's questions. Um, you know, differentiating between a value and a tool to live out that value. I think that it's... Um, it's a really helpful question and it's not necessarily going to deliver you like a really clear answer immediately, but to just wonder whether, um, whether simplicity and inner peace are both values or whether simplicity is a tool that you use in order to arrive at that value of inner peace. Um, you know, because I think, that again is tied up in this idea of what things should look like. If we value something like um, simplicity, do we get caught up on what that looks like and then how that is pressuring us to behave differently in the other values in our lives um, when perhaps simplicity is actually the tool as opposed to the value itself? Um, now with that, I wanted to, to kind of just jump into a few of the questions. And then if, if anyone has questions, just pop your hand up and um, we'll kind of do a, an alternating, I guess. Um, but I just want to make sure that I cover off the, the questions that people who may not be able to make the call have also submitted. Um, this one was from Alana, who I think was on the call. Let me see. Hello. Um, so, I mean, I'll read out a little bit of what you submitted, um, but then if you wanted to talk it out, let me know and we can kind of unmute and go from there. But essentially, Alana asked about um, the friction that comes when two or three of her values seem in almost direct opposition to each other. Um, for example, health, contribution and leadership were three of the ones that she highlighted. Um, health sort of led her to step back from the overwork culture in her workplace, um, which meant that she stopped doing certain things at work that were additional or excess to requirements. Um, things like mentoring junior employees and um, turning up for extra uh, responsibilities. And that meant that her health benefited, her mental health benefited from that, um, which was definitely in alignment with one of her values. But then her desire to have a positive impact on the world in terms of contribution and leadership took a hit because she didn't feel like she was contributing in the way that she could anymore. Um, so I think that that's a phenomenally um, helpful question to be asking yourself and you know, really insightful as well, actually. And I guess my short answer is that our values are going to operate in different, um, in, in like different percentages in our lives over time. There's going to be times where uh, you know, one, you're, you're leaning really heavily into one and perhaps that's health for the time being. Um, and that means that if you're looking at the tilting analogy, you're tilting away from other values. Um, I think tilting kind of doesn't work all that well with the, 
values, um, tilting analogy doesn't work all that well with values because I think that you can embody more than one at a time. Um, but in this instance, it could be that through the lens of your work, at least, um, you know, you're really embodying that health value and you're feeling like it's having a detrimental effect on other elements. Um, I think, you know, there's probably at play here um, some, some ideas of what leadership should look like and contribution should look like too. Um, you know, and you have one very specific idea of what those things look like in terms of your role at work. And that's, I mean, that's fine. That is one definition of leadership. But if leadership and contribution are core values of yours, you could even look at casting a wider net of ways in which to, um, to really sort of live in alignment with those, whether there's opportunities elsewhere that aren't going to be as taxing, that aren't going to um, sort of leave you feeling like you're at odds with yourself uh, work-wise. Um, but also, and I don't want this to sound offensive, um, I think when we're faced with that, um, that sort of sense of missing out or letting people down, the other question we need to ask ourselves is the role of ego in this as well. Like, is my ego calling the shots? Is my need to feel like I am adding the most value and I am the most um, important member of, of this committee or whatever? And I'm not saying that you're doing this. I'm saying that I do this, <laughs> is, is that driving some of that feeling of discontentment or fear even, um, like fear of missing out, fear of no longer being seen as part of the leadership team? Um, and is that driving it rather than your desire to, you know, to lead, rather than your desire to contribute? Um, you know, I think that there's consequences to all of our choices, and your choice was based, your choice to step back from those things was based on um, a desire to step up for your health. And that was a really positive decision that you made that obviously had really positive benefits. But the consequences of those decisions are still real. Um, and one of them can be discomfort. You know, if we find ourselves in a position that's like, oh, this is a little bit harder or more challenging or confronting than I expected. Um, discomfort is a sign of growth. You know, so I don't think it needs to be something that we run away from. What you're doing really, particularly in the line of work that you're in, is you're moving against the status quo. And that's scary. Like countercultural living is, it's, it's countercultural for a reason. You know, most people don't make those choices. Um, and I guess my, my recommendation might be instead of focusing on what you feel like you're losing or letting go of, um, focus on what you stand to gain, you know, by making those decisions and just live with them for a little while longer and see, see where the, where the energy kind of lies on, on that spectrum. Um, did you want to sort of come on and, and chat about it or? Awesome. Um, thanks Brooke. I was just going to say really briefly, um, that was so much gold. So thank you so much for going through that. I'm really pleased that this is being recorded so I can go back and rewatch it and take some more notes and kind of process it all. Um, I loved the couple of things you said about tilting and about um, seeing the values, I suppose, in a bit of a, a broader sense um, so that they can be fulfilled in, in perhaps different ways than like the narrow way that I was looking at them. And I also just wanted to um, comment on the um, point you made about ego because I hadn't thought of that 
um, before. But actually, I think that maybe you might be onto something there in the sense that I do, and not so much um, that the consequence then is, you know, fear of missing out or fear of not being perceived in a certain way. Um, but I think I often feel guilty um, because I do, you know, I, I think I do tend to have that ego thing where I think that I'm an important contributor and whatever. Um, and then if I don't kind of play that role, I feel guilty about, you know, letting other people down. Um, and that kind of, I, I, I recognise that in myself in different ways in other relationships where, you know, if I feel like I don't make enough effort and I feel like the other person's really um, disappointed and let down, even though they may be completely fine. And they also haven't, you know, made huge amounts of effort either and actually everyone's fine. Um, but I, I tend to feel guilty about those kinds of things. So that's something that I um, never really thought about before in that context. But I think that probably is something that I'll um, give a little bit more thought to. But yeah, that was really helpful. I'm glad. Thank you for asking such um, insightful questions. You know, I think it's really helpful to, to see an example of this at play because I think there's a lot of fear in, in lots of us as we go through our values of what's going to happen if they're in direct opposition to each other. Mm. I don't feel like there's space for both to exist. By being able to explore where you're at, I think that's really helpful for a lot of people, myself included, to see that there is always going to be a way forward or a way sideways or a way around. Um, and it's really kind of loosening our expectations of what that looks like and sort of loosening our grip on, on what things um, should or could be even. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Mm, thank you. No, no worries. All right, so I'm going to move on because there's still so many fabulous questions. Um, if anyone has a question that they wanted to jump into now, just give me a, a holler or a hand. All right, just keep doing that or chat at me and um, I'll pick you up. So uh, Alison wrote to me um, with a really interesting question where she laid out her values um, and felt that there was one missing um, which was intentionality. Of course, there was a few blank cards that you could add your, um, your own values to if you felt like one was missing. Um, but then she got kind of started to, to overthink it and was curious, I guess, as to whether intentionality is a value or not. Because she said, um, you know, is the point of all of this work to live intentionally? So in that case, intentionality would be the lens through which to view all of her other values. Um, she's decided to keep it in as a value, but it brought up a question, I guess, and, and something that I wanted to comment on a little bit, um, a little bit more, which is this idea of tools versus values. So I don't know if, if many of you listen to the podcast, but back in season four, I recorded an episode with uh, a woman named Elisa, who was really striving to live a slower life. Um, but she was also like a, a type A go-getter doing person and she was happy with that in herself because it allowed her to achieve things and get things done. So there was this huge amount of tension between the word slow and the kind of life she wanted to live. And we dug into it a little bit and discovered that the word intentional was way, way more positive for her than the word slow because the word slow had all of these negative connotations. It kind of spoke to parts of her that she didn't want to highlight, um, you know, about judgment of mediocrity and, uh, you know, being average and not getting done the things she wanted to get done um, to a point where it was really holding her back. So it was really interesting that Alison wrote to me about this same word 
Um, and she highlighted that her, her, her other values are happiness, contribution, openness, and family. Um, she also said that family feels like a bit of a cliche, and I understand exactly what she means, but I'll talk about that in a sec. Um, I really kind of wanted to, to talk a little bit about my thoughts about whether or not intentionality should stay as one of her values or not. Because I, I think that both, it, both ways offer, um, offer a way forward. Because, I mean, I think intentional or intentionality is a really beautiful value in and of itself. It speaks of presence. It speaks of mindfulness. It speaks of um, understanding, you know, your core, understanding your core values and, um, and living life in accordance with them. So it could be that intentionality is actually Alison's core value, you know, the one primary value the lens through which um, she views all others, as she said. Um, and in that case, I think, keep it in there because that makes a huge amount of sense. Or you could look at intentionality as one of your primary tools that you use to allow you to work towards your other values of happiness and contribution and so on. Um, in which case that, for me, it's, it, it might be a language thing, you know, or a mindset thing, but for me that there is a difference because you can pick intentionality up as a tool and use it to go about your day. You can use it to um, take that one tiny step that we speak about in week one, you know, towards living in alignment with that intention, um, with that value rather, and you, you do it with presence of mind and you do it by choice and you do it wholeheartedly and then you put intentionality down. I mean, my gut feeling is that for Alison, that that's, she's probably valuing it, um, you know, and will probably, it will probably sort of form the, the primary value that lens through which she views everything. But it's a really interesting conversation to have. Um, has anyone else sort of come up against that question of, is this a value or is this a tool? Yeah, Maple has, Amy has. Does anyone want to kind of talk about it? Laura has, Beck. Let me know if you wanted to come on because, um, so Jean has as well for presence. Uh, who have we got? All right. Did, uh, sorry. Did you want to come on, Maple? All right. Oops, I just muted you. I was just going to say, um, I don't have much to say about it, but I had this problem with the word identity because my identity is very important to me. It's a value of mine. It's something I used to guide a lot of my decisions, but I realized that this was my identity. This, these values were also my identity. So I decided, I actually decided not to include it because I'm trying, because of my, uh, because of how much I'm trying to limit my words just so I can limit my focus. Um, so that's how I dealt with it. But I would completely understand if someone was in my same shoes and kept it in just to keep reassuring themselves that every day they're focusing on their identity. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it, that's a perfect example of how either can, can work perfectly well. Um, and I think in that instance, it's really just a gut, a gut feeling, you know, like Maple, you decided that you, like your overarching kind of goal was to keep things simple and contained in terms of the words you were using. Um, so that makes perfect sense. Um, yeah, intentional is a really interesting one too, because I feel like it's incredibly powerful and it really is a summation of so much of what we're trying to do here, which is live with intention. It's to live with um, presence and choice and 
uh, you know, for me, that's what slow means. And again, we circle back to, I guess, the power of language and the, the way we can use it to sort of forge ahead or we can use it to uh, weigh ourselves down. Um, yeah, I think I would encourage, I think that Alison had already listened to that episode with Elisa in season four, but I really enjoyed that conversation um, for that exploration of slow versus intentional. Um, so if you find yourself in a similar kind of spot questioning that, um, it's definitely worth a listen. Um, if you just, you can find it on iTunes and, and all of the, the podcast places or on the website, slowyourhome.com slash season four, um, and you'll find it. I think um, regardless of which, uh, which sort of option you want to dig into, learning how to maybe loosen the bounds of what we think things look like um, and to kind of view this entire question through uh, a lens of curiosity is also a really kind of kind of playful way of doing it. I think I know I tend to get very serious about these conversations and they, like, they're important, but also having a sense of playfulness and a sense of curiosity is really, like, none. this is not a contract. No one's going to tell you that you did it wrong. No one's going to yell at you. You're allowed to change. You're allowed to change a lot if you want. Um, you're allowed to change frequently. You know, some people revisit this whole exercise every season that's all, that's all cool, you know, and you may also have stumbled on or really dug your way into those core values that will be yours for life. Anywhere in between is fine. You know, if like both ends of the spectrum, anywhere in between is completely fine. Um, so, you know, I guess for people who are like wondering whether or not um, eight is too many or three is not enough, sort of experiment with it for a month, live with them, roll around in them, make visualizations of them or, um, you know, create or, or find a photo or image or song that really sum, like sums everything up and live with that at the center of your decisions as much as possible for the next few weeks and just see how it feels. You know, I think that doing so will give you a familiarity with those, uh, with those values, but also you'll start to get um, much more well acquainted with that, that voice, that, that intuition, that little spark of um, recognition, uh, which can really lead us to um, you know, lead us to, to knowing ourselves. Alison also mentioned um, the, the cliche, like that, that feeling of, of cliche she got with um, nominating family as a value. And that's, I understand that, actually. I felt much the same. Um, but I've also realised over the years that values don't necessarily need to be things that are um, like an outward thing or a thing that we're working directly towards. Some values can be a steadfast thing. They can just be a foundation on which it, that is so solid um, that it's it's bedrock. You know, there is no question of it. It's not something that um, you feel like you need to announce to the world all the time in the way you're doing things. It's just who you are and how you turn up turn up um, to life. So I love the idea of it being this steadfast idea, and hopefully that will help her um, sort of reduce the <laughs> that that cliche feeling because it's. Um, you know, from that foundation, you, you're able to build the kind of life that, that you want to live. Um, now, Caroline has written to me. This was a really interesting question, actually, and I'm very curious to see if anyone um, on the call has found themselves in a similar spot. Um, she sorted out her values and she had three that were grouped together and they were justice, nonconformity and integrity. 
um, they all felt like part of one sort of value for her. But in the end, she said, I didn't include them on my list because they sparked anger in me. I often feel like I'm in a small minority that are not ready to accept the status quo and I can feel like I'm on another planet to many people around me. Because they sparked this kind of negative reaction, I didn't include them. Um, and she said, I wondered if anyone else had discarded any values due to a reaction they felt, even though they felt like the value really did align with them. Um, so I'm curious, has anyone found themselves in that, that position? Beck, did you want to talk about it? Awesome. Um, hi, I found... I was coming across values and yeah, not necessarily getting a negative feeling, but having this feeling of kind of, they drew attention and, you know, I was, I kind of got to a point of, um, I guess there was a bit of confusion in my mind around, like you said earlier, value versus tools, but I actually found it really helpful for those ones that, yeah, sort of drew my attention and I had that some sort of strong feeling um, when I kind of worked through them and realized, okay, some of these are my core values and some of these are more tools that I'm using to work towards those values. I just found that acknowledgement actually made me feel a lot more at ease. So I'm not sure in this other person's scenario, whether it's the same thing, whether it is a bit more, you know, using um, those things around nonconformity or whatever it might be actually helps them to kind of work towards another value that's sort of an end result and I, I just found it quite yeah I kind of got to a point after a few days of you know really struggling a bit once I kind of clearly defined okay these are my values and these are some tools that I am using or that I want to use that clarity kind of helped right yeah and I think that that's a really powerful realization to come to as well that um, these things may not be values but they, they may be motivators you know <clears throat> Um, I, I actually find um, that anger can be a really powerful motivator to change. Uh, so it's not necessarily, it's not a negative thing. Um, it's a negative thing if it's having a negative impact on your, um, on your health, obviously, and your mental health. But to a certain extent, um, anger can really propel us towards acting in a way, like you said, Beck, that is in alignment with one of those values. Um, and I think that's really helpful. Yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, I did actually also want to say to Carolyn um, that in week four, we talk about self-compassion. Um, and I, I only bring that up because I, some of the language that she used was um, it, it sort of, it was interesting because what she actually went on to say was that if she met someone with the same values, those three that she didn't include, um, she would think that they should be proud of them, but within herself, it reminded her of the conflict that I feel um, when so many people around me don't question things and if I voice up, I feel that I'm over-opinionated. You know, so I think that there's, a, there's at some point um, in her life, someone has made her feel like, uh, you know, being opinionated, having an opinion, moving against the, the flow of society is something she should be ashamed of, and it's not. Um, you know, so I think that the work that we do in week four around self-compassion will be really interesting. So in that case, I mean, hold on to those values, have them sort of set them aside in their own little bubble. 
allow them to influence your choices if, if you feel like they have that role to play, if you feel like they are that major tool of yours um, and don't cast them aside necessarily yet and just see what you alight upon over the next few weeks as we talk about, um, about um, you know, the self-compassion piece and um, whether or not that sort of brings something new to light. Um, yeah. Okay, so I've just had another question. What if you feel like you do certain values well, but they don't feel like core values? For example, I feel like I work hard on stability and organisation, but I don't feel intuitive, intuitively linked to those. Is that perhaps what this exercise is for? Um, trying to bring about a mind shift. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. It's interesting, actually. Um, so if I can reflect on like myself for a minute and my experience, I feel like to a certain extent I do simplicity well and like I've made a brand talking about it. Um, it's, I don't necessarily think it's, it's a core value of mine anymore. Um, I'm sort of really reflecting on that and I'm starting to see it more as a tool that allows me to work towards um, uh, the person that I'm sort of trying to be, if that makes sense. You know, I guess it's shifting a little bit away from um, the initial work that I was doing on myself and my values, which was very internal. Like it's really self-centered and self-focused, which I felt bad about for the longest time. But what I realized is I needed to do that self-centered work first before I was, and that included things like living with simplicity at the center of my life that allowed me to heal, that allowed me to turn up for my family in ways that I needed to, um, which then over time has given me a set of skills and um, tools that I can now turn around and, and reconfigure those, those questions that I'm asking myself about what's important and what's, um, what do I value at the center of it. So I think we can have character traits that um, add up to part of our identity that aren't values, um, if that makes sense. You know, I think there are things that we can be very good at that we don't value as a value. But also, much like Angie asked before, imagine yourself without that. You know, question, ask the question of what would life look like without those, um, those, those skills, those central kind of um, pillars of, of your identity even. Um, and that's a good way of arriving at how you would feel, you know, if, if uh, it's a good way of uh, it's a good way of arriving at whether or not that is actually something that you value or whether or not it's just part of, of, of who you are you know and it's like it's 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 a really complicated kind of thing to to work out I think how much of this is a value how much of this is who I have been since birth like how much is nature versus nurture um how much of it is a should like there's 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 no clean answer to those questions, but I think the digging is the digging is important. Um, you know where you're at right now, asking that question is is important. Um, I hope that that helped with that question. Um, now I think I have another one that's come through. I also have. Um, let me just ask this one that came through via email during the week um, from Stephanie is how the question is how can you tell whether the reaction um, to a particular value is what you genuinely think or is ingrained 
feelings um, towards a should. So I know we've spoken a lot about shoulds, but I like this question specifically because it's also asking about our internal reaction to it. Um, as I said at the beginning of the conversation, it, this really is a lifelong journey, you know, to unpack where we're at and why we are reacting and responding with the way that, that we are. Um, so if you don't know the genesis of your values at the moment, that's okay. You know, and by genesis, I mean, does it come from my upbringing? Does it come from expectations? Does it come from within? Um, if you feel yourself being called to that, um, that answer as a value for now, that's okay. You know, this is very much an exploration, very much like a, an excavation, I guess. Um, and it could be that you're sort of taking off the top layer or two of soil at the moment. You're finding the shape of the thing that's hidden there, like just the very rough outline. And over the coming weeks, you know, you start to get smaller and smaller tools. You start to chip things away really, really gradually and delicately. Um, and as each of those layers sort of come away, you're, you'll start to get a much greater sense of the detail of the, the thing that, you, that you're excavating. Um, you know, and I find that analogy helps me a lot because it allows me to have patience in recognizing, um, you know, the fact that this, this is not the whole answer. This is the shape. This is the general idea of, of the kind of life I'm trying to create. And through this process of removing and questioning and um, asking, you know, um, who I am and why I am, we start to, to get a sense of, of the detail. Um, so all of that to say that if there are ideas that you think might be ingrained in you and may not, you know, and beyond that, you don't, you don't kind of know where you stand on them, but if they feel light, if there is that spark of recognition in them, I mean, keep, keep them around and, and invite those values and those ideas into your life and the decisions that you're making. Um, and just again, live with them for a while. Uh, because I think that living in alignment, even with a close approximation of our, our values, even if it's like just that top layer shape, that's um, a really rewarding experience. And it teaches us a lot because over time it will teach you um, where that spark is and where it's coming from and also where you're expecting to find it, but you don't, you know, and I think that's just as important. Um, I, uh, the question before um, of, who was it? I forget now, sorry. Um, of, of thinking that this is who I'm going to be and then realising that I'm actually not that, that person, these are not the answers that I'm coming up with, that's a huge learning experience. Um, so I hope that, that helps, Stephanie, in answering that question. Are you on the call? Did you want to talk about it? All right. I'm so impressed that you're still awake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, only just. Um... Yeah, the reason that I think I was struggling with some of that was um, from quite a religious upbringing. And from that came quite a lot of guilt and fear associated with needing to be or do certain things, which I've been spending quite a long time actually sort of trying to sort out and deal with, think, do I actually think that? Or is it just encased in so much fear that you know, I have to hold on to it because of ultimate consequences if I don't. And I think it does just take a long time. Mm. And sometimes I start to work through it and I think I've had enough now and I just put it to one side, maybe come back to it again several times. Um, 
because I think it is that gradual chipping away of sort of some of that guilt and fear that can be associated with those things that you were brought up with that, that you know they really do stay with you sometimes oh they do you know and um it, it really can be like a, a lifelong um journey at at chipping away and even just recognizing that certain reactions are tied very um closely to to those things that you were taught in your childhood i mean i really i really believe that that it's one of our, our jobs as humans is to gradually kind of bring about that person that we are um yeah and as, as a parent i find it terrifying too because i'm like what things am i giving my kids that they're gonna have to unpick and unpack um as they grow up but I mean, don't, you're not alone in that, um, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, if I feel like it's um, a very human experience to be asking those questions and to be unpacking them. Um, I mean, albeit you're probably doing it in quite a condensed period and your, your desire to set it aside for a while is okay. You know, there's no timeline on any of this. And I think sometimes... Um, I'm doing a lot of research about creative thought at the moment um, and what the neuroscientists have discovered who, who have been studying, I guess, the, the brain and um, creativity is that in order to think our way out of complex situations, we actually need, um, we need downtime. We need periods where we're not engaging with that question at all. We need to daydream. We need to doodle. We need to, you know, go cook or do something with a repetitive motion that is purely meditative, whatever it is, you know, and it's in those moments that our brain is actually accessing deeper um, solutions, deeper thoughts, subconscious ideas that will allow us to start to manoeuvre around those really tricky problems. Um, so your, your, your desire to put everything down, it makes perfect sense. You know, it's, um, that's a, a really smart sort of thing to want to do if you're feeling overwhelmed um, because sometimes I think we do need to think creatively around these things as well um, and come back to it with a different sort of perspective, a different sense of, of where we're at with it. Yeah, I think I often work like that and I call it putting it in my whirra where I put something at the back of my head and it whirs around while I do other things. I and like then that. it deals with things itself. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to put it in my whirra. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, but that's like, that's, a, that's exactly what happens. You know, it's why we have some of our best ideas in the shower or we're going for a drive or we're doing something else. It's because it's whirring away back there. Um, you know, and just allow yourself for that to be the case. There's absolutely no deadline on any of this at all. Um, and things will evolve as you learn more. And that's also okay. Uh, it doesn't mean you can't live wholeheartedly towards what you've already discovered about yourself. And as things were away over the months, that will, that will shift and sharpen and change and evolve. And you can continue to live wholeheartedly towards that. Um, you don't need to wait, I guess, is, is also what I'm saying. You don't need to wait till you've got them perfect in order to feel like you're living in alignment. You're living wholeheartedly. You can do that now. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. All right. I've got a couple of questions that have come through. Um, so has anyone had values which can be in opposition to one another? One of my values is connection, but it sometimes uh, my other value of inner peace, which involves solitude gets in the way of that. Um, 
Yes, I think the quick answer to that question is that yes, I've had a number of questions about exactly that. Did you want to come on and talk about it, Cheryl, or? Yeah, okay. Alrighty. Sorry, here we go. Yeah, so um, one of the things that's been helpful for me this week is is doing the writing about it. like reflecting every day about you know how have I used my values and how did that feel and um, we had a our grandson had his birthday yesterday um, and we're doing this whole social distancing birthday thing but um, so we sat in our car with them a distance away and we were chatting and I love that I love the time with them but I also have enough of it you know and and um and and what's come up for me a lot when I've been thinking about this is really giving myself permission for that to be okay um I grew up in a family of extroverts I'm an introvert and so it always felt wrong to want to have time by myself and the the writing that I've been doing has sort of been saying it's okay. You can, you can value connection, but it's okay to want that solitude too. And it's about balance, tilting. I love that word. Um, it's really, for me, it's going to be about tilting and the, the balance is not always going to be perfect. Um, and that's, and acceptance is one of my other values and I'm going to have to accept that, you know? So yeah, it's, uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the writing piece of it that's for me to work things out that's that's a huge part of my process so yeah me too i need to write something in order to really know what i'm thinking mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i think that I, I mean i think you're actually landing exactly where you need to be i love that you're one of your other values with it was acceptance and that's what you're actually like working towards in figuring out this tension between the two that sort of feel like they're in opposition to each other yeah. um you know i think that um, it's interesting to me that so many of the, the questions around guilt um, often revolve around values that are um, almost self-oriented. So, um, you know, a lot of people feel guilty about um, solitude or um, even inner peace was another one that someone else sort of highlighted. And I think that particularly as women, maybe we're, we're not taught necessarily to value our self-care as much as we we really need to um, because obviously you've also got the other, the other end of that, which is connection, which is very outward focused and service oriented almost. Um, and I think that it just speaks to a lot of the, the guilt that we carry around individually and have been taught to carry around about, uh, you know, putting the needs of others first. And, um, you know, I, it, I think highlighting that and recognizing that, that you do and have over the years felt guilty about um, being an introvert and needing that that time alone to re-energize is just it's really telling but it's also wonderful that you're um, at a place now where you're like well no they both have they both have space in my life um, and they don't need they don't need to feel like they um, operate together but they support each other you know I'm super introverted myself like every test I've ever done is like 97% introvert to 3% extrovert and uh, I use that as an excuse to really not connect with people for a long time. And it wasn't until last year that I realized that that had 
yes, I was living in alignment with that, um, that solitude value, but um, I was deeply lonely as well because I had really not given any time or energy to the um, connection that I, that I think we all need human connection to, to balance it out. Um, and they are in support of one another. So sort of recognising that and, um, and giving time to both of those things is, is really important, even as an introvert, um, even as a, you know, a hardcore introvert. Yeah. Um, but I think if we can stick that guilt in a box and put it away, <laughs> that will be helpful because that makes the, the questions and the work that you're doing that much heavier and that much harder, you know, stick it in a box, put it in the back of the storeroom. It's still there, but you know, it's not going to be knocking on your, your forehead all the time. Um, I think that that might, might help as well, but you've got that, you've got that nailed because you're, you've got acceptance as one of your values. So <laughs> you're way ahead of the game. Well, it's one of the things that uh, when you, when you say that that's what you want, then I'm going to have lots of, opportunities to to practice that yeah. <laughs> I like that that's a very positive way of looking at it I'm gifting myself the opportunity to practice this a lot <laughs> yeah yeah that's great thank you Cheryl that's wonderful um all right I'm just scrolling through questions okay so I have um a handful left oh my god I have more than a handful um all right, but I do know that I've covered a lot of the questions um, in terms of, if not like a direct answer to some of the questions. I know that there's those themes that we, we keep coming back to. Um, okay, so um, Amy asked a question that I'm curious about um, your input on as well. Um, do you have advice for people who feel like their values are not good enough? And this sort of ties into Cheryl, what we were speaking about. Um, so Amy said, for example, I would love for altruism or generosity to be at the top of my list, but instead I have freedom, courage, home, humor, and a few others. They feel very inward focused and I wish that they were more about connecting with others. They also feel honest and I find it easy to act in accordance with them. So I can't determine if I've got them down perfectly or if they're too easy and I need to choose more challenging ones to aim towards. Um, there's a lot of guilt in that question. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think that really like, well done on recognizing the question, I guess, that um, recognizing that discomfort that you're feeling, but there is a huge amount of guilt in, in all of that. Um, and I think it's probably tied a lot to what Cheryl and I were just talking about, which is, um, we're very often taught to feel guilty about doing those things that are really important. Like, I guess the, the, the self-care piece, um, we're sort of taught that self-care is selfish. And I know I've realized over the last few years, and I know pretty much everyone that I speak to who, who comes to this realization recognizes that it's not selfish. It's actually necessary, you know, in order to, I know it gets bandied about a lot, but the, the, um, uh, mask, you know, on an aeroplane, that thing that no one's on anymore. Um, <laughs> like the oxygen mask, that's the word. Um, like the advice to me to look after your own um, oxygen first always felt really self-centered. Um, but I realized as I grew up 
that I wouldn't be of any assistance to anyone if I ran out of oxygen. I couldn't help my kids. I couldn't help people next to me. I couldn't help anybody. Uh, and I think that that's the realisation we all need to gradually come to ourselves with when it comes to um, self-care. You know, please don't feel guilty about being in a inward focused it could be that that's where you need to be right now amy it could be that you're healing it could be um that you are spending time building up that foundation of self-love and value and worth and from there sometime down the track months years perhaps you might feel a shift towards those other things that i think you probably do value on some level, but you're not there. And I think the key thing with this whole, this whole exercise is to meet ourselves where we are, not where we wish we were, um, and to honour that and to hold space for the person you are right now without feeling guilty, without feeling less than. Um, I'm curious, does anyone, has anyone else sort of come across this idea of feeling less than or that their values are not good enough? Laura and Alexis, all right. Say hello to you, Alexis. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I just wanted to say that I felt the same thing. Mine are growth, sustainability, creativity, honesty, openness, and presence, and mostly inward. And I had that thought as I was putting like gratitude, connection, family, like back into the discard pile. I felt guilty mm -hmm. and I felt like I should should have those <laughs> values which is where I was like well these are shoulds so these are definitely not my values but it did make me feel like a little like maybe I need to reevaluate this but then I also thought what would my therapist say <laughs> you know I realized that I'm at a point in my life right now where I need to focus on me had I done this homework a few years ago connection gratitude those probably would have been my values but just the season of my life where I am now and what I've experienced in the past few years, I need to focus on me. And like, I'm okay with that. And I know when I revisit this in a few years, my values probably will be different. I might be back on the connection train and I just had to sit with that and be okay with that. Which, yeah. So no, you're not alone. <laughs> Definitely not alone. Um, thank you for sharing that because I think it's, um, really helpful to hear other people share the fact that they went through that same question. But I loved hearing you own the fact that this is the season that I'm in and what you're doing mm -hmm. by creating space for the values that are core to you right now is honoring that, you know, you're not forcing, you're not guilting, you're not shooting, you're just, you've recognized that that could have been where you, you ended up and it's, it's not, you know, and I think that's something to be immensely proud of. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> no, truly, I do, because it's, it's not easy, you know, and I know a lot of us have struggled with it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, was there any question or any, um, anything that you did or, or said to yourself that kind of gave you that additional clarity um, or that courage or, you know, the, the, that helped make that decision and saying, no, this is where I am right now and this is where I need to be? Nothing specific. No, it's just like, why more like Alexis, why are you doing this? <laughs> and it's because I need to work on me. And like, that's the thing that I'm working on right now, which is part of why I joined this retreat. 
is focusing on like what I need to grow and be healthier, both mentally and physically. Uh, and part of that homework is just acknowledging that I need what I need. And that is what it is. <laughs> exactly. It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's acceptance right, like right on the money. Um, and Cheryl said, you know, different times call for different things. Exactly. You know, we have seasons and, and we need to um, acknowledge that and accept that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, now I'm just going to keep scrolling. I really don't want to finish the call up before I make sure I've kind of hit everyone's questions. Um, so Katie asked about, again, same thing, selfishness in, in the values that she um, nominated. Um, so again, I'd just say, as we just discussed, it would be, it's okay to be in a focus. It's okay. Um, to put yourself first in this period and to develop those, those skills, those, um, you know, that, those muscles, those self-care muscles that you need to, that's, that's okay because that is going to lead you elsewhere. It's going to lead you, I, I don't know where, and I wouldn't tell you what, that look, what that's going to look like, but it will lead you down the track um, and arm you with the compassion and grace and love for yourself that you need um to you know to forge a forge a path i guess towards living in alignment yeah it's um but please don't feel guilty let's stick that guilt in a box in the cupboard um now ellie actually said that she had really done a great job of narrowing down her values um she had passion love peace hope and creativity and simplicity um, but she, what she said was that she finds that passion often stands in her way when she wants more love, peace and hope. Um, and it's because I, over, I often overshoot the target. I get passionate about something um, and I do a lot of it, you know, often to the detriment of other areas of life. Um, I love how clear you are on your values, Ellie. Uh, and I think that that is a really great place from which to be asking this question because it sounds a little bit to me like there's a bit of perfectionism at play maybe. Um, and I think that week three will probably bring some more light to this for you, but um, it sort of relates to this idea of tilting that we've touched on a few times today. Um, it's impossible to be everything to everyone all the time. So if you find yourself engrossed in this passion project um, and you don't want to stop, that's completely wonderful. And I think the world needs passion. The world needs that sort of bone deep enthusiasm that leads people into creating wonderful things. Um, but when you're doing that, that means you can't be doing the other things and that's okay. I think that's a really important um, thing to come to accept and acknowledge in our lives that we can't actually um, tick every box and, you know, fulfill every requirement of our time from every value, from every person, um, every day. It's just, it's like, it's not possible. Uh, and again, maybe letting go of some of the guilt attached to that and realizing that what you're bringing the world with that passion and creativity, which I, I feel like probably um, operate together a lot for you is something that the world needs. It's something that, that you need. And perhaps that's bringing love and peace and hope to the world. You know, they can be, your values can be of service to each other as much as they are of service to you. Um, so I think 
The other thing that, that Ellie actually highlights is that she struggles with her um, value of simplicity. She said, it's so important to me, but I often feel so attached to things. And I always want things that I want to let go of to find a new home. And that takes a long time. I think just on that specific point, you could potentially look at this as an opportunity to, uh, to combine simplicity and creativity as values um, and recognize that like rehoming things, for example, if that's what simplicity looks like for you is a physical simplicity, it's a letting go, it's a shedding of stuff. Um, if that's what it looks like to you at this point, combine that with creativity and recognize as you would that creativity is a process. It takes time. You can't necessarily corral it into, um, you know, a deadline. And I think that might be an opportunity to, to, to bring both of those values into service of each other, if, if that makes sense as well. Um, yeah, I hope that helps. She, Ellie finishes her email with, um, she said, but I am on my way. And that is such a hope-filled way of signing off. So I think you're going to be fine. And thank you for including that because I think that's how I'm just going to frame my life from now on. I'm on my way. I think it's really beautiful. Um, okay. So Katie actually shared something really interesting, which I, I, I wanted to, to highlight, um, going back and talking about those self-care values. She said, I actually found myself scared of the accountability of putting the more generous values, such as compassion, at the core. I like those self-care muscles. Um, I think that's, that's a great place to be as well. You know, um, it sounds to me like you're honouring where you're at. And at some point down the track, if that's what you want to focus your, you know, your, your, your values and your time and energy on, um, on those things that instill a little bit of fear in you, the good kind, not the bad kind, um, then wonderful. But at the moment, honouring the fact that you are developing those, um, those self-care muscles is, is brilliant. Um, bye, Linda. Thank you for joining us. Uh, and honestly, guys, don't feel bad about leaving. I know that we're kind of heading, hitting the hour 20 mark. Um, now, where are we at? So Susan has said that she's found the values work really helpful in becoming aware of important things in her life that weren't so noticeable or prominent um, before. And I think that's something we're going to dig into a lot during this retreat is the value of the art of noticing. Um, so I just wanted to kind of highlight that because that's something that I think um, she would like to explore. But also what Susan has, has said, and this is the way she's worked through her, um, her exercise this week, is to nest her values. So, for example, connection is a core value. And she's nested that within, with um, authenticity, friendship, openness, support, honesty, encouragement and trust. And she said, I need to have all of these to be there to achieve connection. Um, similarly, she also said that she has nature and within nature is beauty, peace, solitude, presence, joy, sustainability and adventure. Um, her question was, what do I think about combining them? And I think that I, I love the idea of nesting. I think that that sort of starts to add up to a visual of what each of these core values mean to you. I think the only thing that I would caution against is that the the idea of I need to have all of them in order to achieve that value. Uh, because, you know, for example, with the um, connection value, 
something like a moment of openness or honesty or eye contact with a stranger during the day, they are acts of connection. You know, you don't need for, for it to be like a 100%, 10 out of 10, tick every box connected experience in order to be living connection. Uh, and I think that's really important too, because otherwise, you know, if the ideal version of, of connection looks a certain way and we measure our day-to-day -day, um, life against that, it can, it can feel a little defeating that we're not sort of kicking this connection goal every day or every week. Um, so nest by all means, but perhaps instead of thinking about, you know, you need to, to have all of those in place before you tick the box of connection, look at um, those nested values more as tools, as ways to fill that cup of connection every day. Um, and the filling of, of that cup or that bucket um, is a slow thing as well. It doesn't need to be, you know, in one fell swoop, one impressive kind of blast of connection. It could be, like I said, eye contact with a stranger or a kind text to a friend, like a word of encouragement to a friend. They are all connection. They are all going to fill that bucket um, over time. So I think just ensure you're being kind to yourself with the expectations that you have of what these values look like in day-to-day -day life. Because there is absolutely the tendency, of course, to draw out this idealised version of what this values-centred aligned life looks like. Um, and it can be beautiful and inspiring and like a wonderful motivator. But if that's the thing that we're comparing our reality to every day, it can, it can feel, um, from my experience anyway, it can feel uh, like a failing almost. So that would be my only piece of advice when you're looking at nesting would be to um, definitely maybe switch some of the language out for rather than I need to have all of these in place in order to feel connection. These are the tools that I have at my disposal. I hope that helps. I'm not sure if Susan's on. Oh, you are. Sorry. Hello. <laughs> how hey, are you? how are you? Good. <laughs> you know, I think I was thinking of it a little bit differently. Like, um, it's a good roadmap um, to to having connection. In other words, I'm thinking of a situation where there were a group of moms at school and they wanted to get together and do this kind of regularly. And, and I was saying to my husband, I said, you know, it's funny because they want to connect and I want connection in my life. I value that, but I'm not connecting. What is it? What's missing? And I think how when I was thinking about how these other values nest with that value of connection, the core value of connection, I was kind of thinking like a roadmap of if something's missing, maybe that could help me understand why that value of connection isn't working for me. So what was missing I discovered is authenticity. I felt like some of these women um, were superficial, maybe a little gossipy, a little, and I thought, why can't I connect when it's important to me? But what I was finding is I also need that authenticity piece to be there in order to feel connection, or I need to feel that trust. Not necessarily that they, yeah, I guess I, I maybe um, redirected a little bit by saying they all have to be there. Um, but I think those are parts of it. And if there's something that feels out of balance for me, I can look back at this kind of value exercise and say, ah, that authenticity piece is missing. That's why I'm not feeling connection. 
Yeah. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense, yes. Um, and it sounds like you're being really kind to yourself in that, not like, you know, <laughs> not the way that I kind of went with it, but um, it sounds like that clarity is actually the kindest thing that you can do for yourself in, um, in that value in particular because it allows you to not feel bad about why this connection might not be actually kind of quite getting there. And it's because you know that authenticity is something that you value obviously very highly. Um, and having that information in your back pocket and you can use that then to make decisions. You can use it to, um, to not feel bad about those decisions as well. And to sort of understand why you land where you do and why you decide mm -hmm to say yes to the things you do and also no to the things that, that you say no to. That's really helpful, really powerful. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. That I found that it helps me to have a framework around what works for me and what doesn't instead of getting tangled into, well, is there something wrong with me? Why can't I feel that connection that they seem to have, you know, cause that can be really destructive. Absolutely. Yeah. That you just described me. <laughs> it can be really rough because, um, as I mentioned before, I realized last year that I've been cripplingly lonely um, and have st really gone to some pretty decent lengths to try and connect with people. But same thing, I can't just do, like, I can't do um, for any, le like, any length of time surface level, you know, and I really need that depth. I need to, to have the juicy conversations with people. Um, mm -hmm. And that's like, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's wonderful because then when you do, it's so fulfilling, you know? Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. And it, it's yes. like, that's what it feels like to live in alignment. Yes. Yeah. Yes, completely. And, and maybe to pour more energy into the people who I, I have a stronger connection with and be okay to let those other connections go that maybe don't, you know, don't, I don't know. I hate to say check those boxes, but maybe that don't provide, you know, some of that balance that I'm looking for with authenticity, but also fun and openness and, um, you know, encouraging each other and all those other things that for me go into connection as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that can, the solution to that can be as simple as sort of adding a little more energy to the connections you already have where you already feel that. Um, and I guess, for me anyway, if I reflect on that, um, that's letting go of the vision of being like a gregarious person with a hundred million friends, you know, like I don't need to be that person to feel fulfilled, but for some reason that is what success looked like for the longest time, you know, to have mm. this, like bubblingly active social life where I'm constantly going out to events and doing it. That's horrible. I'd hate that. But for yeah. some reason that's, where I felt like I needed to land in order to be a sociable, connected person. In fact, mm -hmm. it's really, for me, just, again, finding those handful of people and giving myself the permission to dig into them and um, invest time and, and energy into those relationships and allow that to be fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah, and to know that those relationships are what really does fill that value of connection and, and recognizing that there can be other relationships, but that it's not, you know, it's going to be what it is. It's, it's not going to be a full connection. And I think that's okay too, to have those connections with people, but then it, it gives me 
like a label or kind of a box to say, then I don't have to put that immense pressure on that connection, that relationship to be more than what it can be. And that's okay. Exactly. Yeah, it is. It is 100% okay. And mm-hmm. I think that's like, that's the work that we're doing, isn't it? You know, coming to accept those things and, and recognizing what it feels like to be fulfilled in a way that perhaps is different to what we expected it should look like. Um, but instead of focusing on that, we focus on the sense of fulfillment. We focus on that sense of um, energy, like being energized and supported and lifted that comes when, uh, you know, when you're lit up from, from fulfilling that value. Like Laura said, I think authenticity comes when you find the right tribe as well, you know, um, uh, and allowing yourself to, to get there. Um, no, no matter how slowly it, it, it takes, no matter how long it takes, it's sort of, yeah. And I think the, the flip side of authenticity as well, is offering it, you know, and that, that is sometimes how we forge connections with people mm-hmm. by those moments of like, I've had friendships strike up by saying something that I was appalled that I'd said after, as soon as I opened my mouth, but I was being honest in the moment, you know, like, and that's where some of my, my greatest friendships come from. And I don't yes. mean like the showiest friendships. I just mean the ones that are, you know, you feel seen, you feel heard, you feel loved no matter what. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and being vulnerable to those like Brené Brown talks about that you know you have to be vulnerable and it is it's making that comment at a school function and you know or or anything else and being honest about it and seeing if if someone gets that if they get you if they think that that's funny too or if they're appalled by what you just said <laughs> that's the risk the shortcut isn't it to like finding your people you make a joke and if they're like oh you know, that's probably not your person, or but you make a break and they laugh at you. That's fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there is definite power in um in in like being bold. It's a shortcut. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciated that, and you coming in and kind of clarifying where you're at because I think where you're at is is wonderful, and you've really kind of narrowed down on um narrowed down on, on where you need to be and what you're working towards, which is awesome. Great. Thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. All right. So um, Linda, who I think had to get off the call, did send through a question. Um, Now she kind of, this was sort of a words question, I think. Um, She's stuck on choosing the last two of her values. So friendship, friendship slash connection. The definitions seem similar. I do value my close circle of friends, but I love meeting new people and forming connections. Um, and then generosity versus gratitude. Um, I'm having difficulty splitting these. I try to be thankful each day for living life. However, I work hard to raise money for cancer. I feel like I like to share my adventurous life with others. Um, is that generosity? We open our farm up to friends and family to visit. I'm split on this, but leaning towards generosity. And then she said, maybe I should ask some girlfriends. I think that's a great place to start. Sometimes people who know us best have a reflection um, of us that perhaps we aren't so clear on. You know, they see, they see where we're lit up. I remember a time where I was mulling over a question, a real problem with a friend, and I genuinely didn't know what to do. I was really stuck. I had no gut instinct that I that I was aware of and she listened to me and uh, after I'd kind of finished explaining the situation, she said, well, to me, it's obvious. She said, you spoke about the first thing and you sounded heavy and sad and you spoke about the second thing and you sounded lit up and energized. And I'm like, did I? 
And I think sometimes bouncing these questions off the people who know us best and they know us at our best as well and our worst uh, is a really powerful place to start. So yes, Linda, absolutely chat to your friends about it. Um, but also I feel like reflecting on your specific questions, connection to me sounds like a good fit because um, given what you said about meeting new people and then also what you said about connecting via your fundraising work, um, and the work that you do to share your adventurous life with other people. It seems to me like connection is a, is a really great term to, to kind of focus on. Um, friendship can be a part of that, obviously, an important part of it, a way to fill that bucket up, um, maybe in more significant and sort of chunkier ways. Um, but, I th and I think actually you've answered your own question with the second part in terms of generosity versus gratitude. I think that um, gratitude is a very generous trait. Um, it's one of giving and it's one of receiving the goodness in the world, you know, of recognizing it and allowing it to elevate you. And I think that you're using gratitude as a way to allow yourself to be generous. I could be wrong um, and I'd be really happy for you to send me an email to follow up. Um, but I think that you probably, based on the language in your question, I think that you were sort of tending towards both of these anyway. Uh, but hopefully that has given you a little bit of clarity. Um, now, Beck, who I think is off the call. I'm not sure which Beck this is. I think this was Beck B. Um, let me know. There is a Beck here as well. So let me know if this is you and I'll grab I'll put you on to chat, but um, she, she sort of shared something that I thought was really powerful for, um, for people who might still be finding the defining of the values difficult. She asked herself a question, what are some tools that are important to me to support my values? Um, so one of her values was presence. And she's just written a, a little statement at the end of that um, sort of to summate what these look like in her day-to-day -day life, which can be quite challenging. Um, so presence is to be attentive and mindful in the moment. And I think that that's, that's a really helpful way of, like it's a helpful framework, I guess, of being able to apply um, this idea of presence at any given moment because you know what it looks like, you know, to, have, to be attentive and mindful in the moment. And patience is to, be, to have acceptance and give time to frustration and challenges. Um, I won't go through them all, but I think that that's a really helpful um, sort of bonus exercise if you find yourself looking for greater clarity on what this looks like in your day-to-day -day life. Um, you know, and I think that that exercise, that question of what are some tools that are important to me to support my values is something that you could potentially revisit like seasonally or annually um, because what the values look like in your day-to-day -day life will probably change even if the values themselves don't change, if that makes sense. So you may, you may value presence and patience or simplicity or inner peace. Um, and today that looks a certain way. In a year, it might look, it might look very different because circumstances change, um, you know, work and study and family and relationships and all these things, they change. So what feels like a, a, a solid place to ground yourself today may actually feel, um, less so in a year. And I think rather than worrying that, you know, you're, you're failing at your values, it could just be a really good opportunity to reflect on what those values actually look like in the day to day. Um, so I thought I'd just offer that as a, 
as uh, something that you might want to look into. Now, Maple sent you a question. Um, I love that you're doing this with your friend across the country too, Maple. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I'm looking, okay, so it was you who was asking about creativity as your core. Do you mind if I get you back on to talk about that? Is that okay? Hi. Hello. So this was a really interesting one because um, creativity is something that you, you value in yourself in that it is, um, it's something that you've always had and it's something that you're good at and, you know, a lot of, I guess, your work is revolving around creativity. Yeah. So you said, I feel like it comes naturally and I no means want this skill to go away. So is it a value that I, that I kind of need to identify or, or not? Where did you land with that? So throughout this whole call, I've been writing about my own values and I've literally crossed it out and I'm like, no, rewrite it. And then I crossed it out and I'm like, oh no, no, you're right. If I ha didn't have it, who, like, who would I be? So I rewrite it. And I'm like, no, well, it'll clump in there with contentment. So I don't know. It's really, it's my fault because I don't, why I don't necessarily want it in my list is because I don't want to spend time possibly being creative during my, or like, I guess I don't want to spend the time that I don't have to being creative. Um, but I value it for when I need it right so I guess I just don't want to um say there's a day where I think to myself oh I, w I wasn't too creative today it's I, I don't mind that that's that's okay for me and I um yeah that's where I'm at with it I suppose okay yeah I mean it's a, it's a great question because it's almost saying like this is a part of my identity do I need to do I need to then pull it out as a value and hold it as this separate thing um and I think the answer is whatever feels right for you, honestly, and you might not land there yet. Um, yeah, I think it could be sort of, as I said um, earlier about the, the value of family, it could be this steadfast foundation that you don't necessarily, you don't need to necessarily um, feed it constantly in order for it to still be something that is central on which you are kind of building um, a, building your life if that makes sense like it could just be this sort of bedrock or you know foundation stone that will always be with you and whether or not you call that a value or you call it part of your identity or you know it's just how you show up in the world I think finding a way of describing it that fits for you I think I need to after you were talking about um like what did you say I think I wrote it down the creative thinking and the benefits to creative thinking I think I need to broaden my, my idea of creativity too and realize where it actually is maybe in my life and where I could practice it day to day. That's something I thought about during this session um, is I, I think I do have a limited idea of what that is for me because it's very much related to like my work as an artist and my work as a teacher and my identity from my family too. My family's very creative and so I think, oh, that's, that's those people's things. Right. You know, that's, okay, yes, we're, we're those creative people, but I don't want to work on, on other things. But I think I can, I think I could add it in as a way to see myself growing with creativity. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes, that actually makes perfect sense because if creativity, as you said, was something that you grew up with, it's something that you have been taught to value as part of your identity. It's now part of your work. Um, and it, that, that creativity looks a certain way. 
the thing that I'm discovering about creativity is it can, it's so vast. I mean, the questions that you're asking yourself about your values right now, like that's creativity. Um, the way we choose to show up in the world, the way we think around problems, um, like it doesn't need to be making something. It doesn't need to be like an output oriented thing. It can be um, facing the world with curiosity or, or, or playfulness or, um, you know, just thinking outside the box in terms of looking for solutions. Um, and yeah, I'd be, I'd be really curious to see where you land with it actually. Yeah, I'll keep you up to date. I, uh, it's really going back and forth. I think to myself, like, uh, like problem solving is, I, I had challenge in there for a while as well as adventure. And I think that I, I've, I've actually taken, uh, adventure out and, uh, realized that I'm, I'm putting, I'm clumping it with, um, you know, fulfillment and depth, but, um, and challenge, I don't think is something that I, I value. It's just something that is a part of some days, right? Yeah. Um, creativity, I, I think I appreciate about each day in contrast to challenge, right? So if I, I think in contrast to a, to something during my day that I would describe as challenge, I would actually look, I would look forward to creativity. I think, oh, that was a great opportunity to have a, a moment there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're in a really great spot in the way that you're questioning all of that. And um, yeah, please keep me updated. Well, thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Um, you also asked how often do your values change or how often can values change? Um, pretty frequently, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, mine shift um, with circumstances. I mean, I think there's, that for some of us, there's going to always be a core value that we sort of build upon, but that, that doesn't always need to be the case either. I think we're completely allowed to grow and change and evolve and our values will do that with us. It's as we learn, as we face challenges, as we um, realize things about ourselves, we're going to shift the way we see ourselves in the world um, and what we bring to the world and what we want to bring to the world uh, as well. So I think that, there's no kind of timeline on when you should be sort of reflecting on your values. I find myself, I get like physically agitated when I'm either out of alignment um, or if my values have shifted so much to a point where they're no longer what they used to be. Um, and that's a really helpful tool actually to kind of tap into how you feel in your body when things are aligned, at least to a certain extent. And then how you feel in your body when things are out of alignment. Um, for me, yeah, there is a, a definite um, agitation. It's like a stress response, I guess. So that's a good sign for me to maybe do some journaling, do some reflection on where I'm at and what's changed um, and, and take it from there. Yeah. Thank you. That's okay. Alrighty. Now I'm getting there guys, I promise. <laughs> Is there anyone actually on the call now who has a question um, that they'd like to ask like face to face or if you've sent one through and you'd like me to read it and um, just looking at what I've got. No. Okay, cool. Um, I've done that one. So Jess asked, um, what are some of the additional questions you recommend asking to hone in on your final values? I think kind of following on from what I just said to Maple is for me, there is like a physical response that comes when I feel like something is 
right you know there's that spark there's that like zing that zap that you get when things feel or it's an energy i guess when things feel um right or things feel at least it's it's sort of saying explore me you know let's dig deeper into this feeling of recognition um so for me that's probably the biggest question really of what are some of the additional questions that you recommend asking um but i think on top of that is if, if you're really trying to hone in and you're finding it difficult, open up your, um, your expectation of how many values that you have and just live with the ones that you've sort of highlighted, even if there's 10, kind of live with them and, and find something to remind you of them. Lots of people have sent me these beautiful images that they've created or found that really sum up their values. I mean, if you've, you're able to find something like that or a poem, um, sort of visit with that every day for a moment and over a month see what what values and what feelings give you that that zing of recognition or energy and use that as you know motivation to explore that a little further it could be that that of the 10 that you've got three are core values and four of the other values that remain are kind of tools or sub values um, all of which will be fulfilling um, that probably will fit under several umbrellas of, of values um, in your life. But yeah, I think be patient with yourself as well. Yeah. Maybe, so maybe the second question could be, why am I, why, why, why do I feel like I need to have this answer finalized um, today or, you know, this week? And um, you know, if that's fear, if that's looking for clarity, fine. Like that's a completely valid response. Um, but can you live with that for a little while? Can you live with the uncertainty for a bit? Um, okay, moving on. Sorry, I got out of order. Um, so Nora asked about the number of values that we have. She said some of her values are easier to work with on daily, like on a daily basis than others. Um, you know, for example, she said, I value health and spirituality and gratitude. And I try to stand by these values daily in my life. For example, I eat healthy. I exercise, I do yoga and meditation. I pray, I gratitude journal, etc. I've been living by these values and I feel that they've become a part of who I am. A value like wisdom, for instance, is something that I thrive to acquire someday, but I'm not sure how I would observe this in your daily life. Also, I can't decide between faith and spirituality. Faith feels a bit dogmatic and rigid, although I value it. Um, she also fin finished by saying, uh, maybe I shouldn't overthink it. I'll meditate, it, meditate on it instead, um, which is a great place to land. Um, it's a really interesting question though, you know, the, like the ones that show up in your life daily versus the ones that either you're aspiring to <coughs> acquire or um, the ones that uh, they feel kind of bigger picture, if that makes sense. Um, is that something anyone listening or anyone on the call has found themselves kind of grappling with, like the daily values versus the, um, like the, yeah? All right, Jess. Hello. Well, I don't know if exactly if it's daily versus infrequent. That's part of it. But um, a lot of it was more, I guess it's in the same vein, like what I practice versus what I wish I practiced. So like, I'm also like health, nature, 
those have been a part of me for a very long time and something that I like, can't live without no matter what I'm doing for work and everything else. Um, but then there's these other things that are like simplicity. And I think some people would look at me from the outside and think I'm simple in certain ways, but then I look at like the pace of my life, which is ridiculous and my messy house. And I'm like, I really do value simplicity, but I don't think my life looks like it at all. And so I was more torn about kind of that, like the things you actually practice that you call values and the things that you do value, but you don't practice or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and that like, uh, that's a really great distinction to draw as well, because I guess with simplicity, it's so funny that that's one that keeps coming up for a lot of people. Um, I guess is the tension between what you think simplicity should look like versus what um, it could feel like for you? You know, like, are you bringing someone else's perception of simplicity to your unique experience and kind of wanting it to fit? Possibly somewhat. And I think some of it is not actually being simple in terms of just like the stress level that comes with it. I think if I could live a super busy life and have a messy house and not care about it, that would be different. But I, it bothers me, right? Like the fact that I don't have time for people or my house is a disaster. <laughs> so to me, that means it still is a value, even if I'm unable to like implement it. Yeah. And I think the thing with that is, because I mean, to me, that sounds quite clear that it is a value of yours that you're carrying around. Um, but you you're also allowed to acknowledge that maybe you're working on something else at the moment. Like this is a time that you're pursuing different values and it doesn't say, like, that's not to say that simplicity isn't a value you hold dear, but it's just the one that you're tilting away from at the moment. Um, and over time, maybe it could be useful to view simplicity possibly um, as a tool and a value. So like a thing that you can use to allow to, yourself to create a little more space for those things that you mentioned um, you know, friends or like home or, or whatever it is that those pressure points are. Um, and simplicity can be the tool that allows you to create that space rather than the thing that you need to get perfect, you know, or, right. yeah. Or it might just be the slightly wrong word. Like as, right. since we've been on the call, I've um, kind of revamped my words in my head and come up with ones that weren't on the list initially and resourceful came up. And I was like, wait, maybe it's just resourceful and not simplicity at all. And yeah. that to me isn't, so we'll see. That's really great. I like that you've sort of been actively sort of reframing those words because like the words matter or the picture that we attach to the words matter as well. You know, so if you found a word that, um, that sits with you, that you kind of get that lightness, like I could see your posture change when you said resourcefulness, you know, there was energy there. Uh, like that's really powerful and valuable to have acknowledged that. So I encourage you to follow that energy, like follow that spark and, and see where it leads you because it could be that that word makes you feel so much freer in the way that you show up for resourcefulness as a value and then the way that it allows you to show up for other things that you value. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Now, I'm getting there. Maple, we've answered, Beck, we've answered. I think, I think I got there. <laughs> uh, there's always a marathon. The first week is always a marathon. So the fact that like, you guys who stayed, I'm incredibly impressed. <laughs> 
there's always, um, it's a huge question to ask of yourself over a short period of time. Um, and I love the depth that, that you've gone to um, in doing that. So I think if anyone, does anyone else have anything that they'd like to sort of finish up with or any questions that have come to mind or any comments? No? Okay. I'm going to unmute you all so we can all say goodbye. Um, but thank you all for coming. This was wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. I loved everything about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, I hope you have. Thank a, you very much. I hope you have a brilliant Thursday slash Friday. Um, take care <laughs> of yourselves out there, and um, yeah, I'll see you. Very next. useful chat. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you. It was useful for me as well. I learned a lot. <laughs> All right. I'll see Thank you guys you. next week. Bye. 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 Bye.